Welcome to the Newsmakers Podcast. I'm Billy Hollowell, and this is a show where we go behind the headlines every day to bring you an interview with a pastor, entertainer, politician, or other notable news figure. And this is a show, again, it's daily, but it's based on our weekly TV show, which is also called Newsmakers. You can watch it on the CBN News Channel and also on our YouTube page. And on this show, every day, we dive deep. It's a little more longer form with one of the people who you will often see on our Newsmakers show or across the CBN News platforms. On today's Newsmakers, Skillet frontman John Cooper joins us to talk about wimpy, weak, and woke culture. He's also got a book by that same name, Wimpy, Weak, and Woke. We're going to talk all about the book and what he sees going on right now inside America. That and more with John Cooper. With no further ado, let's hear what he has to say. So Wimpy, Weak, and Woke. I love this title. Why did you name the book this? Oh, man, I know you like that. Wimpy, weak, and woke. It's been triggering people for several weeks, people online. This is so mean. This is so whatever. But, you know, obviously it's provocative. I wanted to write this book about utopianism, about the the fact that um, for anybody whose eyes are open and you don't even have to be all that smart to see, our world is crumbling. Western civilization is on the brink of just collapse and I think every week people go, okay, it can't get weirder than this. And then the next week, wrong, it just got weirder, man. And people people are going, what is going on? Well, I think that we have become wimpy, weak, and woke. And we got to do something about it. So what the book title means is this. Here we go. We are wimpy. Why are we wimpy? Because as Christians, um, we have decided that being winsome is more important than speaking truth. And it is causing, it is just causing such an issue in the church because we no longer say things that are true. Or if we do say things that are true, they die, you know, they die the death of a thousand caveats because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. And obviously we should be gracious and loving towards people, but we have to tell people the truth. And so we become wimpy. We've also become weak. I say we're weak philosophically. Uh, we're, we're weak theologically. We just kind of thought that the, these things didn't matter. It'll all be fine. And we don't need to dig into where w- worldly philosophies come from. And uh, one of the things I think has happened is that worldly philosophies have so infiltrated the church that the church is now seems like we're a little bit embarrassed about who God is. You know, I, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people that are not embarrassed to say the name of Jesus, but they are embarrassed of the character of Jesus. They're afraid to say, this is what the Bible says, because this is who God is. And he tells us how we should live and how um, we can be blessed, how we can flourish. We should not be embarrassed about those things. I think it's just caused us to be weak philosophically, theologically. And then finally, we have become woke. And I just want to say this because I got some I got some messages from people. John, you know, my Bible says we're supposed to care for the poor. I'm unfollow. (laughs) They're unfollowing me. I said, of course, we're supposed to care for the poor. Caring for the poor is a command of God. That's what the people of God do. And by the way, this is a country that traditionally has cared an incredible deal for the poor. So there's a lot of lies going on saying that Americans don't care for the poor, which is ridiculous. Actually, Americans care for the poor all over the earth. I don't know if people have read any of the statistics on that. Caring for the poor is not being woke. Being woke is what happens when we are obsessed with social justice through a lens of neo-Marxism. 
because what it does is that we end up creating new categories of who the poor actually are and who the oppressed actually are. And before you know it, you're, you end up calling someone, you know, say I'm fighting for justice for this group of oppressed people, but in biblical terms, they're not actually oppressed. They might even be doing something absolutely sinful and destructive for society. And now you have people saying, but Jesus says we got to stand up for what they're doing. You know, I think the best example is just this, in case people don't know what I mean. Let's just put meat on the bones. The reason in high school that you have some Christians saying, hey, there's a, a boy in high school, he identifies as a girl, and he wants to play on a girl's sports team, and he is oppressed because he is in a category that makes him a minority. He's a trans person, so he is a minority. And because he's a minority, his outcomes aren't as you know good as cisgender girls or boys in, in women that play on women's teams. And so we need to, we need to make a category of oppression for this trans person and fight for him to be able to fight on women's teams. And that is going to be fighting for the oppressed. As a Christian, you have to go back to the Bible and say, wait a minute, is this a true category of oppression? Or is this something that the world is saying that we have to do? And, and, and I think the answer to that is kind of uh, quite obvious. That's what it means to be wimpy, weak, and woke. And I posit throughout the book that this war against America is actually a war against Christianity. Yeah, it, it's so it's so interesting too because you know you mentioned you've gotten a lot of feedback. People are triggered by the title. You know what what makes a rock star? What makes somebody who makes music for decades, right? And we've talked, we're friends. We've talked about this offline and online before. But I want to ask you this because you could just go about your day, you know, being a Christian, doing your thing, but making music and not talking about any of this stuff. But you have made a decision that you feel this is important to talk about. And not only do you feel it's important, you've gone out and now you're writing books about it. What, what is it that made that switch go off for you? And why do you think it is important to be a voice on these topics? Well, I mean, I truly believe, and I, you know, I think that you believe this too, that it is not alarmist to say that we really are on the verge of, of losing this country. Sometimes I get, this is really weird. Sometimes I get people that say, John, why are you focused on losing the country? You're a Christian. You're supposed to care about Christ, not the country. I don't think they really understand what it means if we lose America, if we lose our freedoms. It, it's not some idolatrous because I just, I just have such a sentimental love for America that I don't want to lose. What they don't understand is that what is going to replace America what, what is going to replace it if you lose your freedoms means that you may not have the ability to share Jesus without recrimination for the government. And if that seems too alarmist to people, look at what happened in 2020. You had Christians fighting against other Christians who wanted to open their churches. So you have Christians saying, hey, we got to open our churches. The state doesn't have any right to tell the church that we can't open. And not to mention, we're being lied to by the state. We're being lied to by the media about all the narrative and all the things that they're saying. You have other Christians coming out against those Christians and saying, you know, Romans 13 says you have to obey the government. And I'm like, don't you understand that we are on the verge? If the government can shut your church down indefinitely, then the government can tell the church what it can and cannot say the kinds of things it's allowed to preach, the kind of things it's not allowed to preach. If the government can force you to get the jab, 
then what else can the government force you to do? The, the government can force you to only have one child. The government can force you to have no children based on climate activism or and th to this change stuff happens. This stuff happens around the world, right? Yes. You're not just making this up. These are real things that happen in places like China, for instance, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the weak part comes in. We are weak philosophically because Christians don't like to rock the boat, and I understand where they're coming from. We want to be liked, and part of us wanting to be liked isn't always sinful. It's like, I want the world to know that I'm on, I care for them. I want to love them into the kingdom. I don't judge them. I really love them, and I don't want to be somebody rocking the boat, just making people angry all the time. Some of that comes from a good place, but it has caused us to be weak. All you got to do is look at our neighbors to the north. Look at what Canada is doing. It's against the law in Canada to say that there is only men and only women and a man cannot become a woman and vice versa. If you're a parent who doesn't affirm your 10 year olds, you know, wishes to become a, a different sex. Well, there could be recriminations against that parent from the state. That's just happening in Canada. Uh, the UK has tried a lot of those same things so far. Um, they have they have lost those cases, but the UK is not that far from it happening. And guess what? Neither are we. It was just tried in California. Um, Newsom, as as people know, the governor of uh, California, he just vetoed that legislation, which is a good thing. But he said the reason he vetoed it is actually not good. He said he said, yeah, I vetoed this legislation. Basically, what was happening is they were saying if there is a um, a a couple that is divorcing. And let's just say the mom does affirm their transgender's new identity, but the dad doesn't, that will be taken into account. In other words, that trans kid should go with the mom based on the fact, and I should say trans identifying kid, okay, sorry. The trans identifying kid should go with the mom because she's the one that identifies. In other words, it's bad if the dad doesn't, and, and the government, the state will hold that against him. Well, government, uh, uh, Governor Newsom just vetoed it, but he said the reason he vetoed it, I think the reason he vetoed it is because he wants to run for president. We'll find that out <laughs> soon. Um, and he knows it's a little too radical. But he said, hey, part of the reason we vetoed it is that uh, our, our courts already, they already take that into account. That is already something we do. So we're getting into dangerous territory here. And that's the reason I, I, I have to write it. If we're going to have a, a clarion call for the gospel, in our time, it's going to have to say to the world, it's going to have to rebuke evil. It can't keep playing around with evil in the way that the church is doing. The last thing I'll answer this, the reason I did it as a rock singer is frankly because so many pastors in the church won't do it. I used to say silent thinking, well, that's that's the pastor's jobs. They're going to rebuke evil. They're going to hold the line. I'm just going to be sort of this rock singer that tells people that God loves them, read the Bible and encourage them in their faith. I'll let those pastors go on the front line and hold the line. Well, what do you do when the pastors aren't holding the line? Sometimes it takes God bringing someone out that's unexpected, you know, like a John the Baptist character in the wilderness. If, if the religious leaders of the day aren't going to do it, God will call somebody down from the mountain to come in and rebuke um, the shepherds that are not doing their jobs. Well, and you know, one of the things that comes along with this, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, are responses. You're going to get a lot of people who love that you're doing it, a lot of people who don't love that you're doing it. In fact, this book, I know there's a ton of people excited about it. And there, again, are going to be people even in the industry that you're in who are like, oh, I don't know, because they're they're worried or they're afraid or they don't want to be associated with any sort of opinion that ruffles feathers. What has that been like for you, especially people 
who you've known and loved and maybe even worked with, just getting reactions or even misconceptions about who you are. Because I, I know who you are. You're a nice guy. You love people. You care. That's why you're speaking out. But that gets tra- mistranslated by others. How do you navigate that and, and deal with that? Yeah, I, I will say that has been a, a difficult part of this. And I shouldn't be complaining and I shouldn't be surprised because we see that all throughout the Bible. It's almost it's almost stupid of me to not have expected it. But truthfully, <laughs> I did it. I mean, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, in 2020, uh, and some people watching might not know, I live in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha was... Uh, you know, burned to the ground by the BLM riots. Um, Jacob Blake was shot by the police down the street from where I live. Kyle Rittenhouse shot three people, as you know, people know, three blocks from my house. All right. So in the middle of that, as I saw Christians supporting the violence, I was saying, guys, we can't support vi- violence. What, what are you doing? You can't support violence. I don't mind if people want to march and people want to protest. It's an American right protesting. That's an American tradition. Tell me what you want changed. And we'll see if if by the law of God, if that's a righteous action or a bad action, but you cannot support the burning down of the cities. I had people in my own church come out against me. People I've known for 30 years. All right. People that I've prayed with for 30 years come out and said, John, you are speaking against justice of the kingdom. You're doing the work of the enemy. I never expected that. And I wrote about it in this book. Part of the reason I wrote all this in the book is because we are so, as Christians, we are being so influenced by the world's ideologies because these ideologies, the devil's not stupid and the devil has weaved together a whole bunch of things that are very confusing and it is a little bit hard to parse what is what is true and what is false and they've come into the church. So I write about some of this in the book. And, I, and I've been telling people I've got 650 footnotes in this book, straight from the original sources, from Karl Marx, from Hegel, from the critical theorists, from Freud, the sexual revolution, uh, from the original sources, because in 2020, as brothers and sisters in Christ that I love came out against me and I them, I would, I would meet with them and I'd say, but what you're saying right here is actually a component of critical race theory. And they would say, John, you don't even know what critical race theory is. You're just repeating right-wing talking points. And this is, of course, this is before right-wing was even talking about critical race theory. And I would say to them, I'm sorry, brother. You're the one that doesn't know what critical race theory is. I've studied the original folks. You have no idea what you're talking about. So what I did was I wrote it out in a way that I hope people can understand. You can read the original sources. So when you are out there trying to battle these ideologies, hopefully in love, with brothers and sisters who then claim that you don't know what you're talking about, you say, no, I've got wimpy, weak, and woke from John Cooper. Here's the original sources. And then when you start reading this stuff, people are going to be amazed at how much these people hated God, hated Christianity, hated, um, basically hated everything that Christian culture built. They hate the family unit. They hate the idea that a father and a mother come together as a family in covenant marriage. They hate marriage. They hate the idea that parents should be able to raise their children. They hate the idea of freedom of speech. They believe freedom of speech is nothing more than um, window dressing. You know, in other words, 
We call it freedom of speech, but it's not actually real. It's only freedom of speech for the people in charge, for majority cultures, as a way to put our feet on to all the minority cultures, whether that's ethnic minorities, sexual minorities, whatever it is. So freedom of speech only really applies for the people at the top, which is mainly men, white people, Christians, and heterosexuals. And we stamp down everybody else. So they hate individual liberties from America. So once you start reading the original stuff, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, these people hate God. Yes, they do. And so people need to understand those original sources. Yeah, I, lo I love that you have so many original sources there for people. And you spoke to this, you know, just a minute ago, but I want to I want to underscore this before we come to a close, because I think I think it's really important that people, you know, they're wringing their hands right now. A lot of Christians don't understand how this happened. They don't understand how culture got so chaotic so quickly. Um, and yet you have this book here now where you're giving them those answers. What is your big hope at the end of Wimpy Week and Woke? What do you want people feeling and thinking? What's sort of the action point for them after? You know, I'm so glad you asked because we're talking about so much negative, you know, negative stuff and dark stuff and pessimism. The book actually is not pessimistic. It's actually an optimistic book. So let me tell you what I hope people get and what you're going to get from chapter one all the way to the, to the final chapter. In every chapter, I, I give these things I call Bible binaries. Bible binaries are in, in the book is when the Bible tells us that you have a choice and it is a binary choice. You can choose life or death. And, um, and an example of that would be when Jesus says, there's two kinds of people. There are people that hear my words, they do not act on them. And they are like somebody that builds a house on the sand. Everybody knows the story. The wind comes and it blows the house down. Or there are people that hear my words, they act upon my words, they build their house on a rock, and that house cannot be shaken because my word is true. I give Bible binaries all the way through so that when you're reading about Karl Marx and you're reading about his worldview and what he believed about the nature of man and about his utopian vision, he truly believed that once the working class um, which he, of course, called the proletariat, but we'll just call it the working class. Once the working class revolts against the capitalists, which are the business owners, once he does that and once private property is ended and nobody owns anything, he truly believed that man was going to evolve into a super being. And so throughout the book, I'll say, that's what Marx believed. Here's a Bible binary. Here is why you cannot believe that because the only way that man can become a new creation is through Christ Jesus. And if he doesn't become a new creation through Christ Jesus, then he's in the other category. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You cannot become some sort of perfected super being because we all have sinned. And so I lay out, um, uh, positive visions of how we can flourish according to the word of God versus each one of these ideologies. I do that for the sexual revolution, critical theory, critical race theory, and so on and so forth. By the end, what I hope people get is to realize that God's ways work and anything that is outside of God's ways is going to lead to chaos. It doesn't matter how how much of a good idea you think it may be or how you know i hear this in christians a lot yeah john but you have to understand they have good hearts defund the police yeah but they have good hearts that's why they want to defund the police and i say I, I don't care what their hearts are this is going to lead to chaos 
which defund the police has, by the way, 29% increase in homicides in America since 2019 because of movements like defund the police. Why? Because defund the police is a utopian progressive idea. The idea being is we just get rid of all police. You're going to have less crime because the only reason people commit crimes is because they are being treated poorly by society. That's a utopian idea. And it doesn't matter that it was came from a quote unquote good heart. It's going to lead to destruction. That's what I hope people get at the end of the book and realize God's ways work. And there are there's a real connection between a lot of what we call American values um, and biblical values. And the reason I'm the last thing I'm going to say is because you don't have actually have to be a Christian to like this book. It is promoting a lot of the things that some Americans would just go, well, well, that just kind of sounds like American values to me. And I go, yeah, that's right, because they didn't come from the founding fathers. The founding fathers got them from the Bible because they believed in transcendent truth and absolute truth. That's what I hope people get from the book. That is that is solid. And, you know, to your point about emotion, you know, so much of what we have going on, it's being driven by emotion and there's not a lot of logic. And without logic, the it's a house of cards that's going to fall. You have to have logic. Defund the police doesn't have logic to it. And that's why we see that chaos unfold again and again on all of these issues. Uh, John, where can people go if they want to grab the book, find out more about you? Yeah, let me tell you, then I want to say one last thing. Uh, the only place you can pre-order, johnlcooper.com. Go to johnlcooper.com. There's a hardcover, a softcover, and things like that. And I just want to end with this, because what you just said is exactly right, but I want to add to it. Do You're it. right. It, it is not logical, but here's what people need to understand. In this progressive worldview, these utopians, they believe that it is logical because they, it's a religion for them. So it's almost like faith. Maybe I shouldn't say they think it's logical. They, they've changed the definition of logical. It's presuppositional faith for them. They actually believe that if we create the perfect scenario, that man will become perfect. He will stop doing crimes because the police are not, you know, oppressing them. That's actually what they believe. They actually believe that boys can become girls if you would just stop oppressing them let them go to the girls bathroom let them go to the girls showers let them play on the girls teams let them do whatever they want and as soon as you stop oppressing them it's not just that life will be better for those people they actually will change reality this is a supernatural religion to these people and that's why it is a false religion so when you read the book you're going to understand that we truly are dealing with a scenario here of false religions that have set themselves up against the gospel of Christ. We have a decision to make, Christ or chaos. Oh, I like that. That is a great place for us to end. John Cooper, appreciate your time. Great to chat with you, brother. That's all for today's Newsmakers podcast. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of the show and also head over to the CBN News YouTube channel and the CBN News channel to watch Newsmakers every week. We'll see you soon.